Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. In the year 2000, mankind (laughs) began a journey, a journey which would not end for several years, I don't know how many, towards its final destination. And that first final destination, if that's a term that makes sense. The first final destination. Was in the year 2000. It was. It is a movie about a bunch of teenagers that were supposed to die in a plane crash. And because they didn't, they're now dying one by one. Because that's how death works, as everyone knows. Yes. Yes, that... Death can be avoided as easily as having a nightmare while waiting for a plane to board, but then will insist on coming back to get you in the same order it would have gotten you before. O.C. Death. Death has paperwork to do. (laughs) Yeah. We picked this movie because I asked for a movie with a, a group of teens... Getting murdered. Yes. And uh, that is entirely what this is. So we came up with several movies that had, you know, that that group of teens or that group of young adults. Um, But when this one came, I was like, yes, I want to see this movie. This is a classic from my, like, own young adult days. Yeah, this is three in a row classics right now. Yeah. I mean, 2000, I don't know about calling a movie from 2000 a classic, but... Final Destination is a classic. Okay. Just like Anaconda. (laughs) Yes. It is exactly the same amount of classic (laughs) as Anaconda is. Yep. I'm going to tell you, though, I was sorely disappointed. Were you? Because the one scene that I wanted to see the movie for... Yep, yep. Is clearly from one of the sequels. Yeah. I thought about that maybe 95% of the way through the movie. I was like, hmm, seems like that would have happened by now. Yeah. So tell us why this scene and what scene are you referring to? So I'm referring to the scene where they, some number of these teens who have escaped death, are driving down a road and there's a logging truck in front of them. And as soon as I said logging truck, the people listening to this podcast all went, oh, yeah. Like, they know. it's There's, like, there's like a whole body experience that happens to me. And I imagine a lot of people when I think about that logging truck. And the thing is, I'm not even sure I saw the movie itself. But I saw the trailer that had that scene in it. Yeah. And that was enough. That if I am ever driving and I'm driving behind a vehicle that is carrying a number of stacked round objects like that, I stop following that vehicle. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I kind of already had that long before this movie even existed. It was 
you know, when I see those things kind of strapped on, I always just picture them flying back at me. Yeah. Whatever they are, like steel rods especially are always fun. Uh, You're well, like, well, mm, that's not good. A leaf in the wind. I don't want to be a leaf on the wind. Okay. Anyway, so that scene wasn't in this movie. And so basically I feel like I've wasted my afternoon watching a movie that was not worth watching. I'm sorry. No. Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. What do you want to say about it? Boy, I don't know. There's things I want to say, but they're not any good. Well, okay, can we start with the fact that the reason I wanted a group of teens being murdered off one by one movie was because one of my favorite things... Is to kill teenagers. Shh. Oh, okay. You're Sorry. saying the quiet part out loud. Sorry. No, one of my favorite things is when there are movies where there's a bunch of people and they're so obviously unimportant that I don't care or bother to learn their names. Yeah. Like, well, that's what I got out of Anaconda. Yes. There, yeah, definitely. Although I did, I did learn. I'm making an effort to learn their names for these discussions because yeah. I know that's generally something that I do. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's the one with the brown fluffy hair and that's the bald one. And, you know, I don't care who they are. I just care how they relate to the story. Yeah. But one of my favorite things about this group of teens movie is to be able to give them nicknames. And, you know, like, oh, that's the jock, that's the freak, that's, you know, whatever. So in yeah. this movie, we have Carter, the punk. Mm -hmm. We have Terry. I called her the cheerleader, but she wasn't really the cheerleader. She really wasn't much of anything other than the punk's girlfriend. I mean, she was sure. basically not a character. Yeah. But she did die. We have Billy the jock. Mm -hmm. Dumb jock. Yeah, we have... Fair. Clear the Freak. Clear. Yes. Now, when we were watching it, the first time, <laughs> we both thought that the name was Claire. You mean a human name. Yes. And we laughed because the closed captioning said Clear. And we were then mockingly calling her Clear <laughs> through yeah. several scenes. Yeah, we did. And then we learned that her name is, in fact, Clear River. Yeah, I had to check IMDb for that. And Yeah. So anyway, there's Clear the Freak, who lives alone, for one thing. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, then there's the Hornball Todd. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always that one guy who's trying to get with all the girls, but in a, like, really... Yeah, he's a real geeky... Not ever going to happen kind of way. Yeah. And then there's Alex, who, like, his entire... Sort of like the girl in Anaconda... Where I was like, oh, her whole thing is that she's not any of the other things. <laughs> that was Alex. Yeah, His he, whole persona hero. was that he was normal, except that he could now see the future and predict people's deaths. Kind of. Sort of. Sort of. And that's that's part of the... I mean, this is not necessarily what we need to discuss right now, but the seeing the future, the premonitions that... The foreshadowing in this movie, everything was nonsense. Mm -hmm. Like the biggest part was at the beginning of the movie, and maybe we chalk this up to he's having a dream, so everything seems important to him and is weird. But the whole sequence, all these things happened. Like his alarm clock said one o'clock in the morning, and the the, the zero on the one o'clock mm -hmm. turned into an eight, so it was one eighty, which was flight one eighty. Like. 
okay. That doesn't mean anything, But though. the thing is, that part wasn't a dream. Like, oh, yeah, he I woke suppose up it wasn't. on the plane. Like, I don't know how he managed to fall asleep he suddenly the whole thing. while the plane was loading Like, I and have an elaborate yeah. dream. But he woke up on the plane. So, like, all of that other stuff, like, with his mom tearing up his bag tag and seeing the thing go by that yeah. says 666 on it. And, like, all of that really happened. Yeah, okay, so that makes it worse. Yeah. In that there's all these premonitions. The movie is foreshadowing him, and the only importance these events have is that the camera zooms in on them, and there's a music sting, and the character is concerned. Other than that, they have no bearing on what's happening. And while he is concerned about these things, that after the fact you're like, oh, yeah, that could have that was a thing. It, it was a wasn't sign. It wasn't really a sign, though. They weren't really, but you could have said, like, ooh, that's a sign. Except that he was also being very concerned, and the camera was also zooming in <laughs> on a great number of things that had nothing to do well, with that's anything. that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. That. Like, there were things. I mean, there were some things like, that were definitely pointing. So his teacher's house, like, there's a fire when his teacher is dying. There's a fire, yeah. and her house explodes. And as he's walking there, he knows that it's going to be her... And he's walking there, and he sees a fire, and the fire, like, attacks him. Yeah. So, okay, after the way. fact, well, right, like, you know, the, like, the embers, the sparkies, the fireflies come out of the fire and, yeah. like, get toward his face like they do. And after the fact, you can go, oh, fire, fire, I see it. But beforehand, I mean, that's how fire works, man. Yeah, but see, all of that was so much, that was something, that was, like, foreshadowing a thing right whereas a lot of it was a leaf fell dramatically yeah the leaf him. fell on the on the ground that doesn't mean something even if your movie tries to say it does mm -hmm. i don't know that was a big problem for me i mean it really it was like if you go through your entire life noticing every tiny detail that goes on there's a lot to draw from afterwards when you yeah. want to go see i knew that was going to happen confirmation because of that. bias Right. This was chock full of that. Well, and actually, th that was a note I made right at the beginning of the movie. And later in the movie, I kind of had that thought that he's learning to see the signs. Like, he's supposed to pay attention and see what death is trying to tell him. Although he doesn't really want to, but apparently he can't help it. Death is accidentally telling him about what's going to happen. So... Yes, he is looking at everything as a sign, and he's kind of freaking out about it. He's paranoid. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's, like, the point. What? Maybe the, what's the point? The point being that he is developing this paranoia, basically. You know, that it all seems important to him, so the camera's zooming in on it and making yeah. noise. So it, we're getting that paranoia from it, even though it isn't really important. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely had that sense. Like, there was a point where he's in the cabin and he's, like, trying to, oh, you know, baby-proof the cabin. Yeah. And, but doesn't look in the closet that's apparently full of knives and... Fish hooks. And rusty fish hooks. <laughs> so, 
like at that point he as you said he was losing his mind like he's like talking to himself he's shouting into the universe you know mm -hmm. and and i had that moment of oh so is the point of this movie that this like none of this is actually real and he's just that could have been cool losing his mind yeah and murdered a bunch of people that'd be pretty cool too <laughs> or but like just happened to like is it all coincidence is that what this movie is about I don't know. I don't know. It, I was frustrated. I mean, the the story behind this movie doesn't make a lick of sense. And that's what kept me frustrated for the whole movie was this thing where, okay, so I'm supposed to die. But here I am, you know, like tree falls on me and I luckily get out from under it that it was the tree was holding me underwater and drowning me. Well, not only that, not only did he not die because it wasn't his turn, <sighs> but the up. tree falling on him and him almost drowning saved him from being caught by the FBI. True. Maybe God is working on his side. Okay, so I'm super glad that you just said that because <laughs> okay. the movie worked so hard to avoid using any religious terms. True. Like, they always said... Like, they were talking about God. It was so obvious from what they were saying that they were talking about God. And someone had just done, like, a find and replace in the script. Anywhere they said the word God, they switched it to death. Which is a little disturbing. But it okay. is a little disturbing. And then there's the other point... The, the other time when they're, like, obviously talking about heaven. Like, he's like, are they still up there somewhere? Yeah. And she's that's like... That's true. Sometimes I think about that place. <laughs> I'm like... What? Why are we working so hard to make this movie so 100% secular? Like, yeah. I don't understand. I didn't even notice that, but that's very true. It's weird, though, that this whole thing that, I don't know, that death has to do these elaborate death traps instead of, okay, heart attack, boom. You know, yeah. you could have died a million times by now. When they were stuck on the train tracks, great. Leave them all there. Smack them with the train. You're done. That's all of them. But no. It wouldn't have happened in the right order. It could have. We'll see death. That's the thing, is what are death's abilities? Because apparently he can, like, do minor telekinesis, but not, you know, not just trigger a heart attack or make them choke or whatever. It's just... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think the only consistently accurate sign that someone was going to die... Like, the thing that he should have been paying attention for was John Denver's Rocky Mountain High. Yes, which is the dumbest idea ever. And that was my note, is first of all, is John Denver the villain of the movie? Because <laughs> yes. that seems to be implied. And secondly, it, the first time it happened, he made a point of going, ooh, John Denver, he died in a plane crash. <laughs> Number one, I didn't even think of this until now, plane crash. So that's only for the plane crash. That should have been different for everything else. You would think. And number two, there's so many others. You know, like Richie Valens and the Big Bopper. I don't know. I might have gotten one of those wrong. No, Whatever. no, you're right. And they could have had a whole selection of music from celebrities who have died in terrible accidents. Also, like... Why just plane crashes? The plane crash, sure, that makes a that yeah. makes a great connection. That one makes sense. But then sense. the other dude died in his bathroom. Why wasn't there an Elvis song playing? Oh, that would have been good. Right? Yes. I mean, not that Elvis is dead. No, but that's only because <laughs> he cheated death's design. <gasps> yeah, so I don't know. But then 
you know, after hearing a John Denver song before the death of multiple different people, John, some busker in Paris starts <laughs> singing John Denver. And because it's in French, Alex doesn't flinch even a little bit. Why? Like he's, he, it took him a very long time there to realize. There were a realize. lot of signs all at once. And as the first three notes of that song, I was like, oh man. <laughs> And all I had done was watch it on TV. Like, if I had experienced it, yeah. that dude started tuning his guitar to the right <laughs> the right tunage for a, a John Denver song. And I would have been like, we got to go. Well, and that was his thing. He uh, he saw, he heard the John Denver song, saw a bunch of various, like, dumb signs. Like, the wind blowing. That, that was Death's big move is yeah. uh, making the wind blow a little bit. Yeah. Apparently he likes to keep things fair. He's like, I, I'm going to come and kill you in a lot of supernatural ways. There I will can be control warning. the flow of water forward, backward. Forward and backwards. Uh, but I'm going to blow some wind <laughs> to give you a five second head start. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool. But he sees all that. And instead of being with these people that he's been through all this with going, hey, guys, it's happening. Let's all buckle down and hide under the table or something. He goes, I'm going to leave, you know, see ya. And I, I get he was trying to separate from them so he would get killed and they wouldn't. But come on. But is that really that heroic? Because he already had clearly established that if it skipped him, it moved on to the next person. Yeah. So, so really, he was just like, I'm going to go. I'm going to try to get it to skip me. <laughs> and then not be around when it jumps back well, to you. I think his premise was it was going to kill him. Yeah. But still, it would have then moved on to kill the others. So what's the point? There were some very clearly established rules within the plot of this movie that then were played very fast and loose with. Surprise, and I don't like that. Surprise. Another thing is that these... So there's a thing about the movie that does really appeal to me. It's something that I do in my own head. I think a lot of people do this in their own heads. Mm. It's when you are anywhere and you see anything and you immediately think of the like 14 different ways that thing could kill you. Sure. Right? Yeah. So this definitely, like there were moments where I was scared and it wasn't the moments where people were dying. It was all the setup as like, Todd's walking around his bathroom and like yeah. the water is creeping across on the floor and, and there's, you know, there's sparks in here and there's this sharp thing. And like the uh -huh. camera keeps showing all these things and my brain is like, <gasps> but how is he going to die? During that scene was when I put it down a note that the tension mm -hmm. for the death scenes was really good. Like mm -hmm. it was, it definitely kept you on edge knowing they were about to get killed, but it kept showing so many possibilities and you never knew what it was going to be. And, and that it was, was good. And it was fun that it would show you lots yeah. and lots of things. And then those things would turn out to not be the thing that was dangerous. Or, I mean, that's what happened with Todd is we saw a bunch of things and then something completely <laughs> innocuous ends up being the thing that kills him. Yeah, and I mean, that, not that innocuous, obviously. But. Well, yes, that was blue water, which is not a color that water is. It's that not bothered what I me meant. a lot. <laughs> but... That brings me to Mrs. Luton's death. Yes. Same thing in a way. It starts out Only showing sort of the opposite. <laughs> it right? starts out showing everything around the house that is dangerous. Uh -huh. And you're like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And then literally <laughs> everything in the world happens to her. 
Yes, in series. It was like an elaborate Rube Goldberg machine or like, yeah. a you know, the deadliest game of mousetrap ever. And then it would go more and then like, okay, so she's dead. And then he's like, don't worry, just don't move. You'll be fine. And then she gets killed some more. Yeah. She got killed so much. Yeah. So those those aspects of it, though, I think were my favorite parts. I did like that. And and part of what I liked about it is as my writer brain was watching, I'm like, wow, it takes a lot of effort to set so many things up so far in advance and then yeah. have them fall into place like a Rube Goldberg machine. Like, sure. like, that's impressive to me. However, what is less impressive to me is how they made such a big deal out of the fact that 40 students... And four <laughs> teachers right. went on this trip. We know for a fact, and it is confirmed later, that seven of them, six students and one teacher, get off the plane. Yeah. And yet, and at yet. the funeral, or the memorial, I guess, they also make a big deal out of how they've lost 39 of their loved ones in this crash. Yeah, there's something to In that. no world does 44... Minus seven equal 39. Yeah, uh, that seems like a pretty simple math mistake, but I don't know. So it, it annoys me that they were able to make these like elaborate things happen, but then they couldn't maintain the continuity of like this simple, like how many characters did you kill? I mean, there could be a big backstory to how the uh, the anchor said the wrong number. <laughs> That could be. I don't know. <laughs> we have to find the DVD and listen to the <laughs> like behind the scenes track. Yeah, I think that would have been good. <sighs> I mean, it's about a girl named Clear. Yeah. Can we talk about the um, Clear slash Alex uh, romance in this story? Oh, I think you mean the complete absence of such. Except that by the end, they were both devastated. By the fact that each other might die, like, uh -huh. and calling, like, Clear is calling him baby. And it, for no, no reason. No, at the very end of the movie, Alex goes, I'll always be with you. Like, what? <laughs> I wrote down, I'll always be with you. Weird freak girl I barely know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because at the beginning you? of the movie, she even says, four years of high school, we never said a word to each other. But now she's in tune with him. She's yeah. in his head. She feels his feelings. That was creepy weird. She actually. made a statue of him. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a statue of the way he made her feel. Right. Which is like a Scattergories figure or something. It was. Yes, it was. It was like the Scattergories dude. Missed opportunities. Were there any? That giant eagle statue oh, that yes. they made in memoriam. Of all the people who died, never landed on anybody, and it needed to. Yeah, especially when they were, they kind of like all gathered up right mm -hmm. under it, and he was scratching someone's name into it. He's scratching his girlfriend's name into it, like, hey, she should be on this memorial too. Terry, the girl who barely yeah. existed. He was right under it, scratching that in, it, like pushing on it by scratching. Mm -hmm. Could have made it fall on it. I mean, everything else that could possibly have been dangerous was, and this was a giant statue that needed to fall on somebody and it didn't and I was disappointed. That's the other thing with death was the memorial was 39 days after the crash. Yes. Nothing had happened in those 39 days. Then, you know, they all start getting killed in sequence. 
Then they deal with it, they think. And then there's a cut to six, six months, months later. Mm-hmm. And Death, the whole time in between, was like, all right, forget these kids. I got other people to kill. Mm-hmm. I'll be back to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, did he forget? I feel like the biggest thing I've learned from this movie is that Death has a very bureaucratic job. Yeah, like for sure. Like, the reason it all needs to be done in the right order is because it has to be done in the right order or it's additional paperwork. And, like, it has to be done in the right order or his boss is going to call him into the office again. Like, yeah. I feel like Death is just this very, like, bored, white-collar worker and he's not that great at his job and he's, like, one screw-up away from being fired. Well, that's the thing. Every time he goes to kill somebody... He, like, breathes on their teapot or whatever so you can see something in the mm-hmm. reflection. Mm-hmm. He is not sneaky. No. And, I mean, I guess here's the thing. The this plan was to kill these kids in a certain order because it's the order they would have died in the plane crash. First of all, the entire rest of the plane already died, so they were way out of sequence to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like, there were hundreds of people ahead of them that shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Then he waits 39 days, during which... Does nobody on Earth die? What happened there? Then six months he waits again, and he's like, "Uh, you know, they're already in the wrong spot. Let's just not worry about it. But let's still keep them in their proper sequence. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But none of it does. Like, this is all the fevered (laughs) imaginations of Alex, who clearly has some challenges going on. Yeah. He's got some issues. He's got a lot of issues. If we take this deeper than it needs to be taken, the question here is, do we have any free will? Do we have any choice in what happens to us in our life? Or is everything predetermined? Which do you believe? Well, I mean, if if you would listen to the movie, clearly you have a choice in that you can save yourself and thus end up on the next round of the deaths yeah but save yourself and thus have someone else die instead sure heroically however it is my belief and understanding in the real universe which you know nobody knows really but i believe that literally all things are completely predetermined in that you know there was there's atoms moving around You make decisions in your brain, but that's only because of the current state of the atoms and electrons that are in there. And so that's the decision you were going to make. You can't change what you were going to do. And it even makes sense if you think about it on a more surface level, on just like intellectual how people think. Like if you're given the exact same set of inputs, you're going to make the exact same decision. So you really didn't have a choice. That was the decision you were going to make. When you think about it, even on like just a purely like physics level. Yeah. Like there are a series of rules. And if the universe is guided by those rules, whether we understand what they are or not, things will always have gone the way that they went. Yeah. Interesting. That makes sense to me. Interesting. I personally think it is a moot point. I agree with that. Yes. Like, this movie makes a perfect example of it. And and Claire, I almost called her Claire. <laughs> Whoops, that's not Whoops. her name at all. 
How foolish of me. Claire brings this up toward the end when they're sitting in Paris. And she's like, how do we know this isn't how it was supposed to go all along? Yeah. And the thing is, because we experience time in a linear fashion and we will only ever be in this moment once and then we move on and like we can't swim upstream. It doesn't matter whether it was predestined or not. It will happen the way it happened, and that's the only way it could ever happen, because that's the way it happened. <laughs> yeah, you only get one shot, is the gist of it. And and if you were, like, if you dodged, you know, they got off the plane, they were supposed to get off the plane, clearly. He was supposed to have that, that premonition and well, lose his mind, and everybody was, like, they weren't, they didn't choose to get off the plane. They, you know, various things happened, and they yeah. ended up off the plane. That's something in the plot of the movie that I think speaks to your bureaucratic death guy. Like, there, the fact that he had a premonition dream that triggered all this, that feels like something happening in the office. Like, a prankster messing around with the situation. Right. Or, like, there's another department, the, the Department of Human Enlightenment was like, oh, we're going to get this, we're going to save this kid who's going to co- sure. turn out to be the next Dalai Lama. That's funny. That makes me think of a book that I just read. It's like become one of my favorite books. It's called This Is How You Lose the Time War. Oh, yeah. And like it is that. Like there's one side wants the timeline to be this way and the other side wants the timeline to be another way. And they are not tied to the constraints of a linear timeline. Yeah. So they can go up and down and do whatever. And so they fiddle with things trying to make the timeline swing in their favor. And they, you know, they're battling. They're like pulling this timeline back and forth. But in that case, we see both sides and we see that they're fighting with each other. And in this case, we're being told that it's one way but there's clear evidence that the way we're being told is not accurate. So it's, yeah. it's very confusing. This is what happened, except it didn't because we cheated it. Well, yeah. did you cheat it? I mean, this is just, this yeah. is the reality we're in. So. Yeah. The other image that I get in my head is that, yeah, this was all supposed to go the way it's going. And every time Alex is like, I won't let you win. Death is standing off in the corner like, mm-hmm, yep, <laughs> yeah. you're doing exactly, you're playing right into my plan, buddy. Yeah. Like, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. It's like a cat with a mouse. Yes. Bat, bat. Yes. Um, the, the, the note that I wrote down is after they got off the plane and the plane exploded and like, because it creates this paradox, which is one of those things that, you know, time travel stories often like to play around with. Yeah. The thing I wrote down was nature abhors a paradox. True. And tries to fix them. And that is that is a fairly well-established, like, truism in storytelling. Well, that leaves me with a question for you. Yes. Did you abhor this movie? Yes. <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> just disappointing in so many ways like first of all it was disappointing in a way that's not really fair to it because i had an expectation that (laughs) wasn't about like it was not the right movie that was my bad sorry but i'm gonna say that that was the way things were supposed to be so apparently i was (laughs) supposed to be disappointed by this movie sure no i just yeah it was disappointing all around like there were a couple of moments todd's death the teacher's death where i was like 
yeah, this is this is fun. This is exciting. Like there, yeah. there's build up. I'm I'm tense. Drama is happening. But aside from that, uh, it was boring, and was just a whole lot of white kids. Yeah, and there was the one black guy who was the mortician. <laughs> And he apparently magically understands all of this stuff and explained to them. I know. He that... was such a weird character. He, okay, first of all, that's Tony Todd, the Candyman. Oh. And second of all, he's playing the role that Robert Englund plays in all of these movies. Like, the, you have the former horror icon come in uh-huh. to be some creepy guy who rattles off things he shouldn't know. Yes. So he's the mortician. Two teenagers break into his mortuary. He does not care (laughs) at all. all. He's just like, welcome. Sure. Play around with the dead body. Whatever. (laughs) They did not care at all that they were looking at the dead body of their classmate. true. I mean, Alex's best friend, and he's just like, yep, he's dead. Sure is. So he doesn't care at all. And then he, like, spouts all this pseudo-wisdom at them. Yeah. In death, there are no coincidences. And, like, explains everything, even though he has been no part of the movie up until then. Yeah. And then they leave the mortuary, because, again, he doesn't care. No, he's fine. He's fine with it. Alex is like, sorry we broke in. (laughs) And then he uh, disappears, and we never see him again. Yeah. Like, his only role was to come in and just, like, explain the magic of the story to us. Yeah. It was In a way that didn't really add anything. We didn't need that explanation at all. It was terrible. So I think what it was for, it was so that there was some reason why the kids were able to understand what was going on. But then all that did was just take the magic understanding and shift it to a different person. Like it didn't explain anything. It was just like, oh, they know because he told them. And I'm like, okay, but. (laughs) mm. See, no. (laughs) Well, he works with death every day solely. True, true. All that being said, it was disappointing. I am going to give this movie two completely absent logging trucks out of five. Yeah. It's a long method of measurement, but okay. It's meta. Meta. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not wood. It's meta. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is wood, though. Yeah, it is wood. Before I get into my rating, I feel like I have to point out that there's a scene in this movie in which a guy sits down on the toilet and the camera is directly in his crotch as he pulls his pants down. I mean, you don't see anything because it's a little off to the side, but mm-hmm. why? What? Mm-hmm. Who decided that was going to be the shot? And did the actor go, what? <laughs> you're, you're putting the camera where? <laughs> that was so The cameraman weird. was like... You're putting the camera where? <laughs> we'll, we'll just turn the screen around and let the actor judge whether it's in the right place or not. But I just think everyone needed yeah. to know that scene was in there. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like this movie was made well. Like, it cinematically, like, worked. Like, it was very professional and well executed. But the story was just whatever garbage they wanted to throw at the wall and the characters were total cardboard and it it really comes down to the plot as a failure for me like there was no way i don't know to like work out the plot like there was nothing to solve there there was nothing for the characters to do they just had to die (laughs) 
<laughs> That's mm-hmm. literally all they could do. It was weird. Like, what a weird idea that was ridiculous. But it was very competently made, is what I'm saying. And so that gives it some ups, because it felt good. And the, the death scenes, a few of them, were very good. They were very fun to see how they played out. And I wish they had had, like, I don't know, some kind of killer causing them so we could actually have some logic to this and have a point. Mm-hmm. But that all adds up to a rating. Oh, should I go so far? A rating of two and a half wow. non-present logging trucks. Completely absent logging trucks. Right, that's what I said. Two and a half completely absent logging trucks from this movie. Interesting. For this movie. Uh, when you when you talk about it being well put together and professional, I agree with you. And that makes me realize it makes it even more like, <laughs> a, like a Rube Goldberg machine to me. Because I often... Like, I watched a YouTube video of this elaborate... Rube Goldberg. Like, it yeah. went not just around the house, but it, like, went around oh, the yes. yard yeah, and, like, way into the woods. And, like, it looked like it went on for miles <laughs> so that it could get a basketball through a hoop. And it was amazing how it all worked. But at the end of it, all I could think was how much time someone had put into doing this. Like, you yeah. know they had to have run that thing over and over yeah, and each over part again. 50 times. It must they moved have. On. Right. And it must have taken an hour to set up every time. <laughs> yeah. Because it took like 15 minutes for it to run. Like it was crazy. Yeah. And at the end, it accomplished nothing. That is a good analogy. And, and yeah, this movie, like they put a lot of time and money and effort into it and they did a good job with it. it it's impressive in a way. <laughs> but at the end, it has accomplished nothing. Yeah, that seems right. We'll see you all tomorrow. Yep. clever if you want. I, fun. I am physically incapable of being clever. Hmm.